All right, welcome back to the channel today, ladies and gentlemen. And after a week or two of very slow news, as I'm sure you've noticed, we've started to have this uptick over the last 24 hours of a lot of developing stories. In fact, so many developing stories that I couldn't even get them all into today's episode. But we will pick up on a lot of those tomorrow and on the walk and talk, which is already pretty packed out. There's so much going on at the moment. So we're going to be focusing on several things in today's episode, several crucial things I think are very important for you to be aware of right now. So let's begin then with this ongoing exodus that I talked about, gosh, going back as far as two years now, maybe even two and a half years in San Francisco, but also it will be California-wide later on. I don't mean the whole of California, but there will be pockets that does have this mass exodus, but San Francisco, definitely. And when you look at this, you can start to see patterns and trends that will exist elsewhere in not just the US, but in other major cities in the West. So let's look at what's happening in San Francisco in the United States right now, because we have just seen Westfield. I think everybody knows Westfield malls. We've just seen an announcement that Westfield has given up its San Francisco center. And they're saying, as uh, in this article, of course, they're saying that it's due to foot traffic dwindling. However, we know that is just not the case. There's a lot more to it. So the mall is among the city's largest shopping centers. So what did the San Francisco mayor say about this? Uh, She put a positive spin on Westfield's exit. Yeah, of course she did, saying the space could attract new types of business or educational institutions. Well, we know the type of educational institutions in uh, San Francisco. This has been something that's been coming for some time, she said. We've had numerous conversations with Westfield about the future of this site, and it's been clear they did not have a long-term commitment to San Francisco as they look to withdraw entirely, keyword here, entirely from the US market. Now, I think this is taking people by surprise at the moment because Westfield, as far as malls go in the US, is a pretty big mall and they have multiple locations. And what they're saying is they want to exit the United States market entirely just so that they can focus on the European market. Now, that's very interesting because the US is a consumer driven marketplace. Their GDP is around 60% based on consumer spending. That is why it's a very strange economy in my mind. Obviously, it's the fiat currency, so it allows for certain things that wouldn't be allowed for other advanced economies. But because there is so much reliance on the spending aspect, and that is what drives GDP quite heavily, you would expect malls like Westfield to perform really, really well. So why isn't it? Why is Westfield, as well as all of these hotels that we talked about as well, even Hilton Hotel pulling out of San Francisco, why are these things occurring in a city which is supposed to have the most extreme levels of wealth? Well, we covered this on previous videos. When you allow crime to run rampant in a place and the citizens and the residents who live there no longer feel safe, it has a knock-on effect. So as people start to leave, businesses start to leave and they start to go elsewhere. Other states like Miami, or should I say states like Florida, the city of Miami, 
We're also seeing Houston in Texas, Dallas, attracting a lot of these tech firms from San Francisco. And as the tech flows out, the money flows out, and so do these big businesses and shopping malls. Westfield has said that it aims to sell most of its US properties by the end of 2023 in order to focus on the EU European market. But it gets a little bit worse than this because they've actually stopped making payments on a $558 million loan and have started the process of ceding control of the property. Westfield's exodus comes as nearby stores and hotels have also left the area. Old Navy announced it will close its market store on the 1st of July. The owner of two of the city's most prominent hotels, the Hilton, Union Square and Park 55, said it would sell its properties. We talked about this on the Friday Walk and Talk. We also mentioned, I believe it was Wells Fargo that's just sold their office there for 71% or their tower block below the asking price, I mean, or, or below its peak price, should I say. I mean, this is staggering to achieve only 29% of the value of your building. And it tells you something, if these big businesses are doing this, they're either selling, they're abandoning uh, buildings, it tells you uh, that something is going on here. There is a pattern emerging. And this is exactly why for, for those people who do own property in San Francisco or businesses, I did that video two and a half years ago where I plotted all the uh, migrationary channels that people were taking to move to different cities, whether that was as simple as moving to LA, for example. A lot of people were going to New York and all sorts of other cities and, and states. But it's not just these businesses. Nordstrom, which occupies nearly a third of the mall's retail space, said that it would close its store in August when its lease expires. Westfield had faulted unsafe conditions and lack of enforcement against rampant criminal activity as reasons for Nordstrom leaving the mall. Now, I've highlighted this because it says the city's retail market has struggled to recover after sales fell during the pandemic. Well, the question you've got to ask here is, why was it this area in particular? Why is it San Francisco in particular that struggled to recover, but yet all the other places, people are just spending money like it's, uh, you know, like it's got an expiry to it, if you get the CBDC reference there. People are just going out and spending money like it's water right now. So why is it that San Francisco and a few other places where the crime rate is exceptionally high and there's drugs problems and, and again I'm not cr being critical I know that people throughout all walks of life can fall on hard times and can get addictions and, and things like that what I'm saying is that you have these problems of homelessness on a rampant scale uh, drugs problems but but they're only part of the issue that's going on here the main issue that I think is pulling out these retailers is this organized level of crime where entire groups of organized criminals will go into these stores, steal hundreds of dollars worth of merchandise and just walk out. And no one is allowed to stop them, even if the security guard tries to stop them. That is assault and he can be arrested and prosecuted. These are the sort of problems I feel that is pulling down these areas. And the San Francisco Standard actually listed all of the different stores that have closed just recently in the mall. I mean, these are big brand names that have gone here, as you can see. But it's not just inside the mall, it's also outside the mall 
as well with all of these brands that have gone from uh, Marshalls, H&M, Ray-Ban, you got your Westfield, Gap, even Amazon actually closed their Go store. But I wanna move on to another key metric that I think is so crucial for you to understand, and this is the PPI. We've talked about this a few times before. It stands for the Producer Price Index. And this is why I said in yesterday's video, don't get too comfortable with the inflation rates going down because the PPI has plunged a lot more than uh, expected. You can see here lowest level since December of 2020. I just wanna show you on the actual official data here because it is a little bit different to the data that is here from Bloomberg. So what we do tend to see when we look at the official data, when the PPI is rising, it's usually because for example, the input costs are uh, higher. It could be that there are other things that are, are contributing to it that's raising the price here as well. And then what we often see, as you can see from this bar that's, that's gray, that means recession, you can see that the PPI then dropped for a period. Now, this was a recessionary period. We then went into the 08 crisis, and what do we see? We saw the rising again of the PPI, and then we saw this crash directly afterwards. Now, it's not always the case. We had quite a, a rise here in the 11. We didn't see a crash. We saw a little bit of a dip here from sort of 14 to 16. So it's not always the case, but if you look at what happened here in Feb of 2020, and this is when we had the miniature recession, then all the stimulus started, all the stimulus then, of course, plus all the supply chain breakdowns and, and everything else went into the PPI. Now, what we're seeing at the moment is the PPI crashing quite hard. Now, it's not crashing as hard as it did in the 08 crisis the last time around, but it is coming down very hard and very rapidly. Now, this can mean a whole host of things, but I would argue that the, the most important things that it indicates is a slowdown in consumer confidence. Is that the case with this 50-50? Mm, uh, the consumer sentiment index is not showing that we're seeing a massive crash right now. So that brings us on to a couple of other options. Number one is a slowdown in demand, or number two is that the economy is just slowing down in general. I would argue that it's option two here, that the economy is just slowing down in general, because what we are still seeing and what we have the data for here, which I'm very happy to show you, is that the debt levels, consumer debt levels in the United States are at record highs. And I mean record highs right across the board. So this is why I disagree with a lot of forecasters and economists right now who say that the US has averted the recession. It's gone, um, it, you know, it didn't really happen because of how the, the Fed handled the situation and the government handled the situation and all this other stuff. The data just isn't showing that. We've got a lot of headwinds here that the yield curve is not showing that, the PPI is not showing that. I think everybody's getting overly confident. We're seeing the markets rise quite heavily. I think everybody's jumping in here not really understanding that we could be in the calm before the storm. In fact, I was only speaking to someone yesterday about their stock market portfolio, and they're just going all in at the moment on the most random stocks. And each time I was asking them, why are you buying this stock? Why are you buying that stock? And it's the usual thing. Oh, Jim Cramer or CNBC or, or Wall Street Journal or this or that. It, it just baffles me that even my own clients and subscribers that have access to my stock market course and macro course, link in the description, 
are not taking it for the tiny price that it costs and yet they're putting huge amounts of money into the market on things that they don't understand. Some people even risking their entire life's work, their pensions, into the market right now and they don't even understand what they're invested into. I'm really hoping that is not you watching right now. If it is, my course is below in the description. Please have a look at the, the page and everything it contains. Uh, I guarantee you, you will not regret taking that course. Look at the testimonials for yourself. And Zero Hedge has just posted this chart, which was quite interesting, revolving credit monthly change. Of course, this was the 08 crisis here. And before this tiny little blip here, this was the 2000.com crisis. And we can see what actually happened during 2020. No surprise there. But look at what has happened. This new level of credit has gone absolutely wild. This is unsustainable, ladies and gentlemen. Look at credit card interest rate is absolutely unsustainable. You cannot sustain this trajectory. It is going to just cripple people's discretionary spending. And what was I talking about earlier? Yet hotels remain full, all restaurants booked out, flights are expensive, and it feels like the music plays on. Why? Here's the answer. It's not so much the credit, but it's the servicing of that credit that's rapidly becoming the biggest household problem. So while people can service the debt, they will continue to keep dancing while the music is playing. But eventually the music will stop because the debt is going to become so hard to service. But I wanna move on now to the UK aspect of today's video because HSBC has just announced that they're going to raise the mortgage prices again, the second time in a week. Now this is pretty serious. HSBC Holdings told brokers it will raise prices on UK residential, so this is homeowners, and buy to let, so landlords, mortgages starting Thursday. It's second increase in under a week. The changes will affect certain two, three, and five year fixed products. Now, if you're watching from outside the UK and you're thinking, oh, well, that's okay, they'll still have the 20, 30 year rate. No, we don't have those in the UK. And this is why the, the UK housing market is so much more precarious than the US and a few other housing markets because where you can get your 20, 30 year fixed rates at low interest rates, in the UK, you just can't do that. So there's always this level of uncertainty and anxiety, especially amongst my clients at the moment with these rates. I mean, the level of anxiety is off the charts right now because no one really knows whether to refinance now, pay that penalty, or do they wait? Well, what if rates are higher? What if they can't get a five-year rate later on? What if it's only two-year rates that are being offered because there's so much uncertainty? Uh, these are the challenges that, that homeowners are dealing with at the moment in the UK. They said, we're firmly focused on supporting customers through current pressures and providing access to good deals. But since the cost of funds has increased in recent days, we have had to reflect that in our mortgage rates like other banks. So you can see the chart here. This is um, sources from MoneyFax. It shows that the, the rates are heading higher yet again. The green line here is your two-year fix and the red line is the five-year fix. But it wasn't just HSBC. On Monday, Santander 
pause some mortgage deals for new borrowers, while NatWest actually increased prices. Coventry Building Society also said it was going to pull products at 8 p.m. local time on Thursday and relaunch them at increased rates on Friday morning. So what are the agents advising at the moment? Well, they're saying uh, they're advising people if you are selling a property to take cash offers everything else is so uncertain and i would definitely agree with that if you're selling a property at the moment and it comes down to well you've got two offers one of them is a mortgage someone's using a mortgage another person is is offering cash i would definitely take the cash offer over the mortgage because what if you're and i'm actually i've seen this quite a lot recently what if you're selling your property and that person's getting a mortgage and three months later the mortgage falls through, they just can't actually get that funding. When you could have taken, say, a cash offer, maybe it wasn't quite as much as the mortgage offer, but at least you know it's cash and it's almost guaranteed unless they pull out. Now all eyes are turning to a crucial moment next week when inflation figures and a Bank of England policy decision could combine to set the scene for a larger house price decline. So key word here, a lot of these outlets are now forecasting major declines in the UK housing market. And what has just been announced one hour ago, well, the UK has no alternative to interest rate rises, says Hunt. And it's interesting that he's sort of taking the same approach as the US and a few other places, which said that they're doing this for the greater good for the economy. And that yes, the citizens are going to suffer a lot of pain, homeowners are going to suffer pain, there's going to be a lot of pain ahead, but the people will thank us later. I, I find it funny how they always say this. Oh yeah, you know, um, it was just like all the uh, energy sanctions. Oh yes, energy prices might double or triple, but the people will thank us later. I, I, I still don't know anyone that's thanking the government for all of the uh, energy sanctions and doubling their energy prices. But beside the point, it's not Hunt that actually decides what the base rate will be. It's the Bank of England, which uh, even more funny in this article, they actually say, ah, here it is. The government has no say over interest rates since the Bank of England was granted independence in 1997. Yeah, okay, if you honestly believe that the Bank of England is independent, just like the Federal Reserve and all these other central banks, then uh, I've got a bridge to sell you in New York. But other than that, I just want to say thank you for being a subscriber here and supporting me with you know, taking my courses. I hope you are getting a lot of value from the courses, the private community and such like at the moment. I am working on the next course at the moment, but until tomorrow, uh, take care, God bless, and I'll see you then.